the job of the platform is to find investors for you. Are you ready for the best real estate investing advice ever? Join Joe Fairless and today's best ever guests as they share it with you. It's the best ever advice with none of the fluff. Let's go. Hello, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless and we have something super special for you today, February the 1st and every Sunday in February. I'm with today Adapia DeRico from Patch of Land. She is the chief marketing officer. How's it going, Adapia? Hi, Joe. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing well. And in case you're wondering why Adapia is joining us, and in case you're wondering what makes us so darn special, well, crowdfunding, my friends. Crowdfunding is the future. And crowdfunding is going to help you get more deals done, period. We have to be educated on it. So Adapia's team and I are creating this four-part interview series where we're going to give you a crash course on how to learn about crowdfunding, what do you need to know, what are the questions that you have, and we're gonna give answers to those questions, and we're gonna help you every Sunday in the month of February get closer and closer to make crowdfunding happening for you, and then by the end of February, you're gonna have all the information through this crash course that you need to go out, be educated on crowdfunding and make a deal happen. The reason why crowdfunding is so darn important is because we've got companies out there that are raising money for you. They're raising money for you. And all we have to do is bring a deal to them. And on a high level, it's that simple. But there are a lot of questions that need to be answered along the way. And there are a lot of things we have to think through in order to prepare ourselves and set ourselves up for success to make a crowdfunding deal happen. And on today's episode, Adapia is literally going to walk through all the different answers to the questions you might be thinking. And I know I'm not a mind reader. So if there are some other questions that you have that I didn't ask, feel free to tweet Patch of Land. It's at Patch of Land. Or you can always shoot me an email, info at Joe Fairless, and I'll be happy to pass along to them. And we will answer every single question. I promise you, every single question that you have. Um, if we're not on the show, then afterwards follow up with us and we're gonna make that happen because the purpose of all of this is to help you fund more deals and to learn the process for how to do so. So with that being said, let's jump right into it. And let's uh, first hear from our sponsor, best ever sponsor, of course. And as you can imagine, it's Patch of Land. My mom always said it's rude to keep people waiting. Well, best ever listeners, that's exactly what you're doing if you're not funding your deals with our best ever sponsor, Patch of Land. Patch of Land is a crowdfunding marketplace that matches up your deals with accredited and institutional investors who want to invest in your deal. Patch of Land literally has thousands of investors ready to fund your next deal. You don't want to keep them waiting, do you? And guess what? It's a lightning quick process too. In fact, the average patch of land loan closes in just seven days. Is a five to seven day close faster than how long it currently takes you to close on financing? And just think, wouldn't it be wonderful to have all of your financing needs taken care of for all of your deals? How many more deals could you close if you already knew where the money was coming from? With Patch of Land, you no longer have to worry about the financing part. They've got it taken care of for you. Go to Patch of Land and find out how to get your next deal funded by the thousands of investors waiting for you right now. Go to patchofland.com. That's P-A-T-C-H-O-F-L-A-N-D.com. So with that being said, let's get right into it and... Um, Adapia, can you tell us a little bit more about your background and how you got to this point, how you got to Patch of Land? Sure. Um, so first of all, thank you. I'm really excited to uh, be a part of the series. Uh, I think it's going to be really fantastic for listeners, uh, especially today, because we're going to talk about all the questions that we answer on a daily basis. I started with Patch of Land actually uh, almost from the very beginning uh, that the company came on the scene. When I started, um, there were three founders. So I came on as the first employee and at the beginning of what is uh, now almost a tidal wave. And 
and uh, took the company uh, to the point where it's at today. And we're one of the leading companies in the space. I've been privileged and honored to be part of the discourse shaping what seems to be a new industry and this new access to capital um, and funding for, for people who are doing such amazing work in the real estate space and have been lacking uh, easy, consistent funding for a long time. Um, my background is in banking, insurance, uh, finance at a hedge fund level. Um, at the time I was in Switzerland. So it sounds really fancy, but it was pretty tough. Um, that was when, um, uh, when the markets absolutely crashed. So uh, I've been through uh, a lot in the financial markets. And then um, I, I did a lot in the entrepreneurial space. And that's actually what led me here because uh, I was following a lot of trends and crowdfunding came on the radar in a big way. And uh, let's just say that crowdfunding plus real estate makes a lot of sense. And it seems to be absolutely playing out as the case, because in any sector that's using crowdfunding to raise capital, uh, real estate is, uh, is is leading the way. It's interesting. I was, I was yeah, looking at your company, Patch of Land, and that the tagline is building wealth, growing communities. And I think that's something that is important to you know take look at a little bit more in detail as far as uh, what happens when we do crowdfunding and not only what is the result of, you know, our, what, what's the cause and effect for when we invest uh, from a personal financial standpoint. But also I, I think it's interesting that, you know, Patch of Land has a growing communities part as well as a focus. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so the the building wealth and growing communities, especially the growing communities, is actually the fav- my favorite part um, of what we do, and. I think it's the part that sometimes is overlooked, which is why we champion it so much, because uh, the the way we see it is we can help uh, real estate investors, developers do the work that is actually um, really rebuilding communities. You're rehabbing a home, you're improving a neighborhood that... uh, you know, that helps grow it economically. Uh, People move in, jobs are created, you know, there's a lot of other things going on at the same time, but real estate leads recoveries traditionally. And um, we're actually doing some research into seeing the correlation with that. And I'm really, I'm like, it's it's a real honor to work with some of these uh, real estate investors that are doing such amazing work and to see that homes that were previously abandoned, um, you know, unlivable uh, now have families in them, and they they start a positive cycle of a thriving community. And that's not even getting into all the incredible work that's happening with affordable housing, like larger developers um, and big big institutions like like Habitat for Humanity that do it on a on a global scale. So in our own way, we're we're contributing to a social movement, and um, it's a great place to be. All right, best ever listeners, we've given you the background of what's going on um, with this series and why we're doing it. And now let's get into today's episode. Uh, And we're going to talk about all the questions that you might have. And we're going to give, Adapia is going to give answers to all the questions. All right, Adapia, first question, let's start off broad. And then let's start getting into some specifics. So first things first, what are some different types of crowdfunding methods? Okay, so crowdfunding, um, for those who might have heard of it before the word real estate was tagged onto it or probably familiar with Kickstarter or or Indiegogo, um, I always think it's fun to actually mention that church was the first official crowdfunding um, when you would pass the basket and everybody would put some money in for um, for the church and the, the social activities or the community activities. Um, so crowdfunding really started, and even in the modern age with Kickstarter and Indiegogo, as a way to raise money from an unrelated group of people for a cause, so charities, or for what's now become tech products, a lot of tech products on Kickstarter or film or music. And so it's just really, it's really become a way for people to access money from, um, from basically strangers online. Uh, for their projects. So you've got, you've got those, and then you've got equity crowdfunding and debt crowdfunding. And those were 
those came about because of the Jobs Act, uh, the Jumpstart Our Business Act, which um, the president signed into law in 2012. And what that was set out to do was to say, okay, you can raise capital the way a company raises capital, let's say on the stock market or in an IPO or privately, and people can own parts of your business, you know, they're going to give you money in exchange for ownership. Um, so that hasn't yet passed um, fully the way that people are expecting. Um, but it's, you know, the SEC is, is kind of sitting on it right now uh, with what's called Title Three and Title IV. Um, Whereas debt crowdfunding is, um, and many people in real estate will recognize this, it's basically lending. So what you're seeing, for example, what we do is we raise, um, we raise debt. So we lend and the investors are giving money to the developers in the form of a loan. Um, so that's, it's basically debt and equity crowdfunding for different kinds of investment products. You've mentioned the Jobs Act, Jumpstart a Business Act, and you said it hasn't passed fully mm -hmm. the way people are expecting. Mm -hmm. When do you expect or does does the group expect it to pass and what specifically are they, do you find, expecting? Yeah, so it's, it's really anyone's best guess. Uh, we've been told from uh, some of the, some of the attorneys and, and people who lobby Congress um, for this, that by the end of 2015, but we also heard that last year. So it's hard to say. Um, but the expectation revolves around letting everybody into crowdfunding as an investor. So I'll explain. So currently, um, the crowdfunding is for accredited investors, and that's a definition set out, again, by the SEC. And an accredited investor is somebody who makes um, $200,000 a year, has done so for the past two years, and or has a million dollars net worth, excluding their primary residence. Um, so that's a very small portion of the population. That's about 8% of America is accredited. So only 8% of America is allowed to invest in crowdfunding um, investments today. So real crowdfunding, if you will, is when everybody's allowed to invest and not just the accredited investors. And that's what's contained in Title Three and Title Four regulations, which would open it up to everyone irrespective of their income levels. And they're, they haven't um, fully passed those laws. There's... Um, several reasons. One of the biggest ones is fear of fraud, that people are going to get defrauded um, because a company or someone can just say, hey, I've got this company, I've got this idea, I'm going to be the next Facebook and raise money and then it's a sham. That's a, that's a big fear and the regulators are, are trying to protect consumers. Um, so that's, that's the stance there. Um, but if you can imagine for a small business owner or um, you know, even in, in real estate, if you had access to just about everyone in America um, through, uh, especially through a portal that does some vetting and, and curating and is set up for it um, with some mechanisms of safety in place, you have absolutely almost unlimited possibilities for building your business. Because um, as we all know, there's no lending happening from the banks. 8% of America can invest right now. I mean, as a as someone who works at a crowdfunding platform marketplace, when you look at that eight percent, and then you see the potential for you know perhaps by the end of two thousand fifteen, but nobody really knows mm -hmm. to open it up to the general public, that's got to um, that's got to be very appealing um, to you uh, because that's essentially you know. I mean, it exponentially opens up the amount of customers you could have, right? It does. It, it exponentially opens up the amount of, uh, of customers. Um, there would have to be regulatory mechanisms um, put in place um, for that. So even though it's a really big, it's a really big opportunity, it also presents a lot of, a lot of challenges. And if you can imagine uh, for a company to say, you know, you've suddenly... I, I mean, again, like you said, exponentially increase your customer base. You need to exponentially scale your operations um, and and make sure that that your company is set up to do so. And 
you know, there, there's a lot of educating that needs to be done because the, the truth is, is that the kind of returns that you can get on private investments, which is really what's being talked about with the Jobs Act, is that private investments that have always been reserved for an elite few people are now um, more publicly available then you're 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 really looking at a massive educational push and informational push so that you're teaching people to see and evaluate beyond just the rate of return because it's really easy to get lulled into here's a 12% coupon um but do they understand the risk because private investments are by their very nature very risky and um and and i and i feel like that's going to be that's going to be a challenge but that's also why we're working so hard to spread the word about what what crowdfunding is you'd mentioned equity and debt uh financing can you let, let's pretend we are uh, so, uh someone who flips homes and we have uh, like four or five, 10 projects already under our belt. Uh, and we're looking to scale our business. We're looking to do more. And we're very interested. We've heard about crowdfunding. We're very interested in pursuing it and using that to fund our subsequent deals. What are the pros and cons uh, when working with a platform that is uh, debt? or equity? How do, how do we navigate which one we should go with? That's a great question. Um, and for real estate, it, it comes down to the, a lot of times, like the kind of deals that, that you're doing. Um, you know, we find our market specifically is for, um, the, the fix and flip market and the, the bridge and transactional loans. So, uh, in general, the, the, the small business has um, equity down, you know, they put down the down payment, they just need a loan, and then they're going to turn it over, they're going to refinance it or, or sell it. So they don't want to give up equity, they want to keep it and they're okay to pay um, a slightly higher interest rate for a short term loan. And then they, you know, they turn it over, no prepayment penalty, off they go. Um, and, you know, for people who can who can do that for, let's say, like half a million dollars or less than a million dollars, that's that's fantastic. But if you are if you have a uh, like if you have like a multifamily uh, or a small commercial project that's a couple million dollars, you're you need to raise equity capital and share the the equity interest because you're not going to be able to handle a loan or you just want to structure it differently. You would prefer not to take a loan and just raise equity and have people participate over the course of five to seven years or, or whatever the timeline is. Um, and there are other portals that are in that niche and, and do it very effectively. So I think it really comes down to knowing what you want as a small business owner, as an, as an investor, where you want to be with that project or with your business and then vetting which which portal um, you want to work with that offers a product that fits your needs. So it sounds like debt would be, generally speaking, debt would be more short term and equity would be more long term. It seems to be that way. Yeah, it's, it seems to be that way. And also on a, a lot of times on a size basis, like you're, we we certainly don't see anchored shopping malls, um, coming to us for loans, you know, they're, they're looking for equity because they've got a, a 10 year project under, underway. Right. Exactly. And, and it sounds like it's not necessarily it, it, while it is generally the short debt, long equity, it really isn't about the time frame. It's really about the, the numbers of the deal and how the investor is looking to structure it. But generally it falls into those two categories, right? It does. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the basic of it. There are, there are a lot of different terms with crowdfunding. One of them, you know, I hear, I hear crowdfunding. I hear a crowdfunding company say crowdfunding marketplace. I hear peer to peer lending. And I, I know, you know, patch of land, you know, you all refer to yourself as a peer to peer real estate lending platform. So is there a difference between, um, peer to peer real estate lending platform and a crowdfunding marketplace, or is it the same thing, but calling it different names? That's a, no, that's funny. That's a fantastic question. There's a lot of terminology around this because it started with crowdfunding and actually crowdfunding is an acronym 
Really? It's an acronym. I'm, I am going to send you it because off the top of my head, I've just forgot. It's actually an acronym set out by the JOBS Act. Um, wow. Yeah. That's going to be in the show notes, everyone. <laughs> that's, that's, that's incredible. Okay. It's, it's an actual thing. And so, you know, the idea was r- raising funds from the crowd now. Um, and, and that's actually happening. And then you have peer to peer, which is in a way it's the same, it's the same thing. Um, but there's this, there's this parallel industry called, um, the peer lending peer to peer industry, or today it's actually called marketplace lending, but that'll be for another time. But all that means is that from the finance perspective of peer to peer, it's, it really started with consumer, consumer loans. And you would have individuals who were looking for money, uh, that the banks couldn't lend. And so you have these companies that came up and they matched that, that borrower to an individual lender. So that's the peer to peer. It's individual to individual. So they would be able to, you know, you needed $10,000. You would go to this, this, uh, this company prosper lending club. That's how it started. And then you would input your, your data for needing a loan. And then a bunch of people would agree to lend you that money. Now that is you know, that model's been being built out in a massive way right now. And their small business lending is in there factoring. There's all kinds of things going on. And actually real estate falls into that category too, which is why a company like ours is crowdfunding and peer to peer because we, um, we, we're that marketplace or that platform in the middle that brings a borrower who needs money and matches that borrower with investors on the other side, these accredited investors who, um, that basically lend the money to the borrower to do the rehab. So it's the same thing, different names, but one has a, a sanctioned uh, acronym, but, it, but in, you know, it, it is the, it is basically the same thing, but peer to peer refers specifically to debt. That's the thing. It's not equity. Oh. Um, you're, that's being used only on the debt loan lending side. That's interesting. Okay. When we think about crowdfunding, and I just threw out the example of you know the individual who had some deals under the belt and wants to scale it and and find a way to finance their properties more quickly. But let, let's I, I guess um, I'll erase that example and I'll just start fresh from an investor standpoint. Who should be thinking about crowdfunding? Um, and I know you work at a, a crowdfunding company, so it's like everybody. And I know you wouldn't say that. You're you're all about what makes most sense yeah. for people. But um, who should really be thinking about uh, crowdfunding and uh, finding a way to have that happen to help their business? So really, this is for established um, operators, uh, small business to to large businesses. The, the reason for that is that uh, a lot of the companies that are facilitating this, these marketplaces or these platforms uh, are, are still new. They're still young. Um, they, they need to build trust with the investors that they're getting money from. And so anybody that's, that's trying something out for the first time is going to have a really hard time getting funding. And I just want to be really honest with that because, you know, people, the investors that are going to give you money are looking for track record. They're looking for uh, somebody reliable, somebody who knows what they're doing because they're high risk. I mean, we know real estate is, is high risk. And so, um, where, where, this becomes really interesting for people is the, the ones that have been doing it for a while, they really know what they're doing, but they can't access capital. Like they're always wasting half their day trying to find financing that, that makes sense. That's consistent. That, you know, isn't here one day gone the next, or, uh, that's really onerous to try and get. And so the point of, of these, these portals, these platforms is to say, Hey, we're here to make it easier for you to get your money faster, more reliably, easier access. There's a lot of technology involved, which is really just creating efficiencies in the process. So instead of taking a month to raise capital, you can do it in a few days. All your documents have to be in place, of course, like all things being equal. Um, But you don't have to go running around looking for capital because the job of the platform is to find investors for you. So you can just do what you love to do, which is finding the properties, doing the work on them, doing the deals on that end. And the platforms take care of 
of bringing the money to, to people who want to scale their business. We're finding it really great for people who are experienced, who have, you know, they do a few a year, but they want to scale up. They want to take it to the next level. And th- this is perfect for, for those people. If a borrower has a deal, um, at that point, do they come talk to uh, a crowdfunding company or do they wait? Do they do that way before before they have a deal? At what at what point should they engage? A lot of times, um, we have they'll they'll come with it with a deal that they already have and they they need funding for it. Um, but then you also get people who they come back for more. So they actually have one going on and they need funding for that one. But then they know that that this source of funding is there, and so. Th- they just come back again. So they're able to go out and, and look for other deals and say, Hey, like I'm looking at these ones, these potential ones. Um, and they already know that, uh, you know, if, if the underwriting on that property, uh, works out that they can get the funding. So it's really at any stage, it's just good to get uh, also pre vetted from the perspective of, of your business and uh, it, it being an established business that's, that's in the space. So it's a bit of both. You'd mentioned established a couple times in that in that response. Can you define what do you mean when you'd say it should be, you know, generally an established operator? So for us specifically, and, and everybody looks at it a bit differently, we look at, at people who have at least three years of experience doing this and a good, you know, five to ten under their belt. And they have a they have a company and LLC structure uh, at the very least set up there. You know, we, you can't really lend to an individual, like the risk on that is really high. So it, it's people that, that are determined to know what they're doing. Um, and then that being said too, I, I want to say that for, for those that have been in it for a lot longer than that, and have gone through the downturn, you shouldn't get punished for that. I mean, I know, I know that, that we don't because everybody got hit really hard. And so it's not about credit score. I think, I think what the market is realizing um, that's coming to real estate crowdfunding platforms is that the asset that, that backs a loan um, or, or an equity offering for, for that matter is really important. So the underwriting is mostly based on the, on the assets um, not a person's personal credit score because, you know, they, they got hit really hard in the downturn, which most people did. Can a beginner partner with an experienced investor and get approved? That's, um, ah, you're asking really great questions. Um, that's something that, um, we're working on because we see a lot of potential. We see a lot of people who have the potential, um, but their inexperience is, you know, it's like a, it's basically like the, the big red X. Um, but if, if they have a mentor, a coach or an experienced operator that works with them, that is willing to give some kind of a, of a guarantee, um, or participate financially, uh, in that would mitigate the risk. And I'm, I'm looking at ways of, of being able to make that happen so that we can really grow uh, that person's business, that first timer, that, that beginner's business and really help them grow it into something. Cause that's ultimately what we want to do is we want to facilitate the growth of, of businesses. What is the basic end to end process for getting a project financed through crowdfunding? All right. So the, the basic process is to go to a platform's website and you'll fill in a basic application. And at this point, you'll probably have a property in mind. So we'll just say that, you know, you, you know what you want to work on. Um, you'll fill out an application, um, give some information about the property, about the financing, about the down payment, um, you know, the, the rehab budget. And, and then that goes, you know, that goes up, you know, into the, into the system and it gets passed through to, uh, to, to the underwriting department and then they'll, they'll go over it. Um, you know, we do a lot of, we do a lot by phone because, you know, we're, we're also for here to, to build relationships and there's a lot going on with real estate. So if the project meets the general criteria of any platform, like if, if you, up, if you upload, let's say an equity project to us, 
we're going to call you and say, Hey, sorry, we don't do equity. So, you know, you're going to have to choose that platform first, but if the criteria meet a platform's parameters, they're going to call you and then they're going to take it to the next step. And that includes background check, the, the credit check, because we do do credit check. Uh, we ask for information, you know, all the usual stuff, title and, uh, you know, bank information, information about the property. And then it goes through an underwriting process with appraisal. And, you know, you come out the other side with, you know, a green light for funding. And in our case, we, we actually pre-fund as a company. So, so we put our money in the, so we lend the money and then we syndicate the loan out. Um, to our investors. But it's a pretty basic process. I mean, it, it sounds like not much for something that is fairly complex, but we've we've managed to really streamline it. And that's where the technology comes in that, that these companies are, are using. Is it basically the same information that you would provide a traditional lender from a qualification standpoint? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. If somebody is, is looking to fund their deal, would you would they be able to apply to uh, a crowdfunding platform and simultaneously apply the traditional method and see which one works out best for them since it's basically the same paperwork i mean yeah i'm i'm sure that they i'm sure that they could i'm i'm willing to bet we're faster and that, yeah no. <laughs> <laughs> but you know i think everybody has like different different documents but i mean the i guess at the end of the day you know what you need to give a lender, whether it's a bank or a private lender or a platform, um, you know, crowdfunding company. So, you know, it, it's like anything, you just come prepared with all the documents and, and have it all ready to go. And you're, you're that much more likely to get, to get funded. I don't know. It's kind of interesting to think about if we, if we did a test of like submit the same, you know, the same paperwork and, and see what happens, that would be a fun little case study. Yeah. I was thinking that'd be a good research study <laughs> yeah. for you all. What what about have you come across any uh, anyone who has submitted via multiple crowdfunding platforms to see what which one gets the best terms for their project? Just kind of like competitive, uh, you know, com- having each crowdfunding platform compete against each other. I don't know that that's that that's happened. What's what's really um, interesting about what's going on in crowdfunding space is that everyone's carving out a bit of a niche. Um, so not everyone does the same thing. So, uh, people know that they come to patch of land for the rehab and the fix and flip and the short term, uh, loans. And then, you know, they'll go to real crowd, which is an equity platform that, that does bigger, you know, they do bigger, like five to 10 or $20 million equity financings. And, you know, they'll, they'll go to fundrise if they want to do community style, uh, buildings. So there, there are these little niches that are being carved out. And, um, there, as far as I know, cause, and also I'm not, I'm not the, the underwriter. Um, but we don't, we haven't seen a lot of that because of the segmentation and the positioning that every, that every company has taken, but that, you know, you probably have seen some that, that, that might've tried to, to shop it around because we all do things slightly differently. How do crowdfunding platforms make money? It depends on which one they all make money. Actually, they all make money differently. I can't speak to what kind of fees the other ones charge. Um, and also I think, you know, on equity projects, it's much different. I know for us, we, we make our money on points. We're like, we're basically, I mean, if you want to demystify the crowdfunding part of it, um, which is the access to capital and the, the, the excitement around it. We are a lender that's faster, more efficient and more reliable than what you would find locally. And, um, so from, from that perspective, we, um, you know, that's how we differentiate ourselves, but we make money on points. Uh, some companies, uh, if they're doing equity, they'll make money on carry. Other ones might just charge a listing fee if they're a listing type of portal, uh, without any, without any underwriting. Um, but I, I actually don't know specifics to, um, how the other guys, um, charge. And you, you mentioned this just a second ago, um, but maybe there's some other things too. Um, so I'll, I'll still ask the question, why should uh, somebody, a borrower, you know, someone who has a project, 
choose to use crowdfunding over a traditional way of funding their project? It goes, yeah, it does go back a little bit to that question about like what target uh, this is for. Because if you're a if you're a large established you know developer, you probably have bank lines, and you're lucky to have those. But for people who don't have bank money or who don't um, who don't have these kinds of lines of credit, and that's most people, you're you're better off coming to a platform than trying to raise money yourself because it takes so much time to try and round up. Let's say it's friends and family. Or it might be, you know, there there are a lot of private lenders, uh, and and you know nothing against them, but they're not as efficient, they're not as fast. And the other thing that you get with crowdfunding really is the fact that the platforms are raising capital from from all kinds of people online, and so there's never a lack of it. Whereas maybe you have a private lender who puts X amount of money on the street in a given year, and then they run out, or you know. They're here one day, they're gone the next. Some people are, you know, friends of friends. Like you have, there's no reliability and and you actually don't know what's going on behind the scenes. The nice thing about technology coming into the real estate financing space is that it's creating transparency and it'll drive down costs because there shouldn't be any junk fees. There shouldn't be any scraping. There shouldn't be any weird stuff going on where you don't know why suddenly you're, you're paying all these fees. That's, that's wrong. Like the, the whole point is to shine a light on, on, um, a part of the real estate industry that's just so opaque. So I would say go to a portal when you need money, because you really don't want to try and raise it on your own or you can't. Um, and you want it quickly and you want to scale your business and just not have to worry about trying to find other sources because you have a really good, steady, reliable source at your back. How does the recognition um, happen if an investor does well with their product? And by investor, I mean the borrower, the person who's uh, being receiving the money from a crowdfunding platform. How does their reputation continue to build? Because the reason why I ask is, you know, as someone who raises money, I, I ra- I've, I've raised uh, money for a multifamily project. I know that my investors who uh, put their money into my project, they're near and dear to me. They're my number one client. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I, I hold them tight and they are, you know, they're the lifeblood of my company. And I imagine that when people think about crowdfunding, they're like, okay, it, I mean, speed the market, awesome, makes sense. I'm going to have to get this information together anyway if I'm going to get a loan through a hard money lender or a financial institution. I might as well go with the most effective and efficient process, which would be crowdfunding in this case. But I really want to be able to own those relationships because once this is successful, I want to continue to build and build and build on my reputation and that previous success. So how does that work within a crowdfunding platform? Yeah, so that that's a really good question. You know, we can't control um, whether an investor, the funding, the funding side, the lender, let's call it the, the lender, decides to go around us as a portal and still connect with that, that borrower afterwards as a private lender. You know, because that can absolutely happen because for, for us to market uh, and promote a borrower to the investor's we, we're going to have background information on that person. Sure. We're going to have a profile on them. Like, hey, this is a really good borrower. We really believe in this person and their business and their project. So this is who they are. That's out in the open. If, if you know, if that person, if some investors get in touch with, with some, some borrowers kind of personally on the side, I don't, I don't know if that's happened. I can, I imagine that it could happen. We also don't want to stop it. It, 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 you know, it's, it's not about that because we're really in the business to try and facilitate you know, access to capital. And it's so easy to do it with what we've built that, um, you probably wouldn't want to do that because you just, you know, it's so easy to do it on online with the way we've got it set up. But for a borrower, they can show anyone they want, like, Hey, I've done, you know, we have some people that have done like six with us. Hey, look at, this is what I've done with this company and they can point to it. They can send people the the website. Like if they're going to raise other capital on the side, because everybody's got a lot going on. Um, they can use what they've done with us to, to grow their own network. And as you know, proof of work done, proof of being a good credit risk, 
Um, you know, and there's an accountability there too. Like the flip side of this too, is that you are known and your reputation is out there. And, you know, so it creates a kind of accountability within a community. That's the other part of the the community that we talk about is really the people that come together to make these projects happen. And it's nice for people to know that, that there are real people doing this work and that they can get in touch with them. Now, um, we, we, we don't encourage direct, um, connection, like investors will speak with us and the borrowers will speak with us. Like we, we know, otherwise it would defeat the purpose of, of making it easy for the the borrower to go and, right. and, do, their, and do their job. Um, but if people wanted to get together on, on the side, um, you know, they, they could, so you can definitely think of this as a way to boost your profile online and, um, to, to almost build a resume of, of what you're working on and be, be proud of, of showing that. As a borrower, if typically I don't speak with the investor in my deal, but I speak with the, the third party, you know, the, the crowdfunding platform, um, how often would I speak to, you know, uh, to you all? And do we have like regular, maybe semi-annual calls that are recorded and then uh, sent out to the investors about how the how the project's going. How does that work? Oh yeah, so we um, we ask for well, honestly, we have people that they call or text all the time, and they're they're always talking to you know to underwriting or or to our, our customer service people on this end. Um, we ask for regular updates, like every couple weeks, to to you know even if they want to send in pictures because you know we can really build a story around it. Sending in pictures, letting us know. Uh, what's going on with the project? Um, funds are released in draws, so you know there there's there has to be a certain amount of of work done per contract before the rest of the draw is released, and that's another safety mechanism. So you're going to have official updates and official reviews of of the work being done. And we've done webinars in the past for some of the 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 bigger loans, um, you know, half a million and up when it's a quite a large project. And so, uh, investors feel comfortable getting on a webinar with, um, with us or also with, um, with the person doing the work to, to, to hear what it's all about. For the most part, we try and keep it really, we, we try and keep it really simple, um, because these are quick projects, like our, the loans are a year long in our case. So, um, you know, we, we know that, the priority for the for the developer, the borrower, is to just get the work done as quickly as possible, pay off the loan as quickly as possible. We have a no prepayment penalty for us, and and move on to the next one, right? Because it, it's all about scaling their own business. If they pay off the loan uh, early, do the individuals who are investors through the platform do they still get their return, or is that complete as well? It's complete. And I, I think the, the funds are released in draws. I mean, I think that clearly addresses the communication thing because they're sending pictures and they, in order to get the remaining funds, then they have to show progress. And those pictures that they're showing progress can, is, is just serve as the updates to the investors too. So that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And written updates. And before a draw, there's, um, I, there's another inspection that, that goes out. Um, and the thing for, I, I think for the, the real estate investors to know the, the borrowers and um, the sponsors is that the due diligence that happens and the caution that's put in place by portals um, actually helps them because you know people people can can be fraudulent and and we don't no I mean nobody wants that and so when you're when you've been accepted or listed or funded by a, a portal like you're in the company of of some really um, trusted and, and 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 high level people and so you know this some it might've been thought, and I hope that's going away, that crowdfunding was a last resort funding and it's not. <laughs> the crowdfunders are very conservative in, in their underwriting and who they sponsor and who they raise funding for, because from the perspective of a crowdfunding company, it's, it's about reputation and trust for everyone. And so, um, the safety mechanisms and, um, 
the conservative underwriting and the vetting and everything that goes into it is just as much for the investor's protection as it is for the borrower's um, reputation that's being built online in front of thousands, thousands of investors and hundreds of new ones, you know, every week that are interested in, in funding them. Yeah, I think that that's been abundantly clear in this in this conversation is that the underwriting process is just as reliable and as diligent uh, in crowdfunding than it is, you know, a traditional lender. It's just the difference is the speed to marketplace and the ability to fund deals faster. Uh, and then also, as as you mentioned, you've got that it's kind of like the peer pressure of making, you know, making everybody pleased that uh, you've got on board. Um, with the investors, you'd mentioned accredited investors can invest in um, these opportunities right now. And then perhaps uh, once uh, the Jobs Act actually uh, transpires to what everybody anticipates it to, uh, then it'll open up to the rest. But what about sophisticated investors? Can they invest? Not yet. Um, there's there's actually a currently like a big discussion debate around the um, definition of accredited investor. So it's crazy because this crowdfunding happened, the Jobs Act happened, everything's going on, and then it's bringing up so many issues in the SEC, like the accredited investor definition, which has not been modified um, since 1933. I think they made one small modification, I, I want to say in the 80s, um, and that was actually to remove the principal residence as part of that 1 million. So they tightened it. Um, so there's this, there's this big debate going on right now about the accredited investor definition is quote unquote, like it's silly. That's my word because it, you're, you're not just because you make $200,000 a year. Does it mean that you know what you're doing in investing? Does it mean that you might be able to sustain a bigger loss? It does. Right. You have more money. You can maybe sustain a bigger loss. Doesn't mean you're sophisticated. There are plenty of people that are not accredited by definition of how much money they make or have that are far more sophisticated than the ones that have that money. So um, big debate um, there. There even there's one side of the debate that wants to tighten it even more and raise that threshold to four hundred thousand dollars a year and like five million. And then there's the other side of the debate that's saying, why don't we use sophistication and uh, create um, a series of questions or different kinds of knowledge thresholds to allow people to invest. So I'm actually curious to see how that'll work out. Of course, on crowdfunding side, everyone in the industry is, is saying at the very least, don't tighten it, but it, it should actually be around a person's sophistication and knowledge, not around how much money they make or have. Adapia, this has been just a fantastic conversation and we're not done yet. We want I want to talk about two other things that I think the best ever listeners would uh, really enjoy and that's privacy and uh, return on their investment. But real quick, before we talk about those two things, we're going to hear from your favorite company, I imagine, <laughs> Patch of Land. Awesome. Could you do more deals if you had more money and didn't have to waste time looking for financing? Are you ready to scale your real estate business and do more deals? Well, let's make that happen. Our best ever sponsor, Patch of Land, is ready to fund your next deal. Patch of Land is a crowdfunding marketplace that has thousands of investors waiting for you right now. Find out more at patchofland.com. That's P-A-T-C-H-O-F-L-E-N-D.com. All right, let's talk about privacy real quick. So how, you know, with, with Sony happening mm-hmm. and with all sorts of things like that happening, how does... Uh, how do crowdfunding platforms, or if you can't talk about that uh, in general, how does Patch of Land specifically keep information secure? Yeah, well, I can tell you after that Sony hack, you see the whole you know the whole tech team come in with like big black eyes because they've been up all night because it's it's such a scary thing to have to have happen. Um, one of the things that it's it's really important for us uh, because we built our own technology is that we have bank level encryption and they stay on top of that, um, you know, very, very diligently. So we also do daily malware scans and that's just on the, on like the, 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 the portal side, like the, the, the platform side. We're also extremely uh, diligent about 
uh, investors' information, uh, both investors and borrowers, like we do not publish anyone's credit score. You, you actually cannot legally do that. That's illegal. You should not be doing that. That's nobody's business. So we don't, um, we're very, very careful about highly sensitive information. Um, there are only a, a couple people in the company that get to see that. Like, I don't see that. It's none of my business to see that. There are only a few people that get to see that information. So we have a lot of internal controls for that because we are dealing with very sensitive information. We do everything. Uh, we do a lot of DocuSign. We do a lot of electronic uh, documentation. So there's you know as little mail moving around as, as possible. Um, and we have all kinds of internal security verifications and passwords and, um, crazy things going on for us to be able to even access certain files. So I would say we're very, very careful about it and all kinds of firewalls and encryptions that, uh, our tech teams put in place. As someone who wants to invest in a project, what type of return am I looking at? So for, for us, we're looking at an average of about 12.5%. Um, our, our loans are anywhere between 11 and 13%, that, which, is, which is pretty standard. Um, you know, if, if you're at a portal that does mezzanine financing, it's going to be higher. There are equity returns that, that are in the, the 20%, but, you know, there's five, those are IRRs with five to seven year duration. So it's, um, it's really across the board. And what's, what's really exciting, I've noticed, you know, over the past year or so of doing this is that uh, a lot of the people that are coming to our that are, that are finding out about us, the investors, they don't have previous experience investing in real estate, but everybody knows that that's how you build wealth. And so they're learning about about these investments and they'll, they'll invest on different, on different um, platforms because there's different projects on there. So they're going to have their own diversified. It's like they get to build their own REIT. It's like a personal REIT with crowdfunding. Yep. Um, and so I'm actually really interested to see that evolve over the next few years with registered investment advisors and people that can come in and advise these people on how to build their own safe portfolio. You know, I, I think that there's some opportunities to see your own personal family office develop over time. And, and, and hopefully we'll see those regulations open up so that, that more people can participate to build their own wealth. And, uh, you know, when it comes down to it, to, to help rebuild communities and properties that need it. Is there anything that any questions you can think of? Cause you know, you're the expert in this that we didn't talk about that a best ever listeners got in their head and they're like, why didn't he ask this question? <laughs> is there, is there something that you've come across in conferences or anything that you, you think the best ever listeners are thinking right now? Usually we end up getting asked like, you know what, how we're different from other, from other ones. And, and, uh, I think I've covered that in insufficient detail. One thing I, I did neglect to talk about a little bit when I was talking about, you know, debt and equity and title three and title four, the big change that happened in October of 2013, which is what really allowed crowdfunding companies to go big. Uh, and this is really important is that since 1933, you were not allowed to advertise private placements. And then under Title II, um, Regulation 506C, uh, that's what changed last year, not last year, but in 2013, so that you can actually advertise your listing. Uh, now, there's all kinds of regulatory um, pieces that go with that, but for those who comply with that, like we do, we can advertise. I can tweet about the loans that we're doing. Uh, and that's the biggest change. Now we can only take money from accredited investors, but I can publicly solicit. Um, so that's where this has really been, um, gaining a lot of momentum and what, you know, what might happen, um, is that a lot of people who are currently soliciting and might not know it may, may find themselves under SEC scrutiny at some point. And that's my personal opinion. Like, I wonder what's going to happen because the SEC is, is looking at crowdfunding and it's looking at what crowdfunding is bringing up and it's bringing up issues around public solicitation of securities. Um, and that's why working with a portal that is established 
Um, and really, I would say really do your due diligence on a portal too. like call them their, their management, their execs. Like I should pick up the phone and talk to you. My CEO will pick up the phone and talk to you um, so that you know that it's legitimate because it's a lot of, it's a lot of work. It's really hard work to do this. Uh, and a lot of people think it's easier than it, than it looks. And so, um, you know, that's something, that's something to really consider is, is both the public solicitation and the validity and the professionalism of the portal that you want to work with to raise money or to invest. Adapia, thank you so much for you know, being on the show and, and doing this exclusive interview and, you know, talking about the questions that get asked and, you know, the, the kind of demystifying, as you mentioned a couple times, certain aspects of crowdfunding. I mean, from the debt and equity explanation to, I mean, shockingly, I did not know crowdfunding is an acronym <laughs> and I'm going to hold you to that. I, I definitely need to put that in the show. I will. I'll find it. <laughs> in the show notes. And, uh, you, know, you know, talking through, I mean, one takeaway, and this is obvious probably to most of the best ever listeners, but um, it's just something that is a takeaway for me, is that the approval process to get a project approved, as far as the information that you need, um, as you know, in terms of, you know, what's your business plan, uh, what's the prod- property look like, what are, you know, what, what are some, uh, your, your credit score, that type of stuff. It's just the same with crowdfunding as it is through a traditional lender. And the difference being after you get past that point um, is the speed to market actually getting funded. And I, I just wonder why the heck would somebody go through the traditional route when you go through crowdfunding um, if they have a project that's in the wheelhouse of the crowdfunding platform? Um, because some, some projects might not be um, the right uh, one for doing crowdfunding. And I, I, I think that's, that's pretty interesting. The other is you know, just the, how the funds are released in draws and that's the checks and balances along the way. And you know, the, the privacy of the crowdfunding platforms, and I know you can really only talk about patch of land in terms of that because you can't make a general statement about all websites and, and companies, but um, with yours in particular, having the bank level type of encryption. And then also, you know, talking about money, right? Like uh, the, the type of returns that we're looking at and the type of funding that's available. I mean, this, it's, it's pretty insane having all the money raised, it's just a matter of qualifying your deal. That's basically what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, qualifying the the us as a, a borrower and our deal, and we've the money's there. And I think that's uh, that's an incredible thing. And to talk about the eight percent, eight percent are accredited investors, and this is why we're hearing so much about crowdfunding. And that's why we see a lot of companies uh, popping up in the crowdfunding space um, because there's only 8% of the market that's reached right now. That's crazy. And that this is the future, my friends. This is it. You, 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 uh, and in fact, um, on the, you know, talking about the future of crowdfunding, that's the next episode. I did not even mean to make that segue so natural, but it is. The next episode, next Sunday, we're going to talk to experts in the space. It's going to be a a panel discussion. It's going to be February the 8th on the future of crowdfunding and where we're headed. Because it's important to know where we've been um, from a historical standpoint and what's available to us right now. But... As Tony Robbins always talks about, the power in business is anticipation. If you can anticipate the next move and you're prepared for it, then you're going to be light years ahead of everybody else in your in your space. And so we're going to get a rich conversation about the future of crowdfunding in our next episode. So Adapia, thank you so much for being on the show. And best ever listeners, we've actually got something special for you. It's a free PDF. um, And it's a report on the top 10 questions and answers um, around crowdfunding. And you can download it on the show notes page of this episode on my website. And then you can also go to patchofland.com and read all about crowdfunding and the information they have there. Adapia, 
Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. And is there anything else uh, you want to talk about or are we good to go and we ready to rock out the second episode? Yeah, I mean, I could talk for weeks about this, but I think we've covered tons and I'm really excited for the next episode. Um, uh, you're going to have some awesome guests on it. I think people are, are it's going to be a real treat um, to listen to those panelists. So I'm excited for next week. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Joe. Hey, you best ever listener. Do you want more? Then go to joefairless.com, where you'll get tons of free videos, templates, and content to help you get deals done. And remember to subscribe to the best ever show in iTunes, so you can keep getting your daily dose of the best real estate investing advice ever.